Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone and welcome along to your Monday night edition of the TII podcast. My name is Craig Dennett and just listening to that intro, it's just coming up on a year since Aribo scored that goal, even closer to a year since John Lundstrom scored that goal and the hairs are still standing up on the back of my neck listening to them. I think that will be ones that last a very, very long time. Joined tonight after a very disappointing weekend for Rangers, we're joined tonight by Jock. How are you doing Jock? Not too bad. I'm just going to echo what you said there about that that intro. Even after yesterday's guff result, it's still the intro still gets you a bit pumped up for it. So looking forward to it. Absolutely. Am I joined by Reese as well? How are you doing, Reese? Yeah, all right, man. Just uh, recovering for yesterday, but I don't know the intros are, but kind of depresses you, don't it? Just now going, Jesus, how bad are we this year? It just shows you what could come, but I've seen a few guys in the chat talking about selling tickets and stuff, but no, nah, you've got to stick with it. It makes it a better time, even sweeter. Yeah, it's the ups and downs of being a football fan, really, but we'll get stuck into into a bit of yesterday's performance. We'll also talk about, about the reaction to yesterday's performance, the fallout from how Michael Beale reacted, the fallout from how fans reacted. Malik Tillman, in particular, as the title suggests, has come in for... A great deal of criticism over the past 24 hours. Is it fair? Is it not fair? Why do Rangers fans always need a scapegoat? We'll always we'll just come we'll cover all of that as we as we go through it. Um but Jock, come to you first. Pretty much 24 hours after the full-time whistle. Um Blue at Pitodre. What are your thoughts on that performance? You're still as frustrated today as you were last night? I think so. I I say the dust settled a wee bit and the you know, went through the the reaction got the, the Michael Beale's reaction afterwards because whenever we were on yesterday it was still sort of, sort of breaking really for us. Um, still barely disappointed. You know, what we really do is just hope that they, they try and lift their game for for the next weekend because this is the season really lies on on next Sunday. So I just really hope the boys and Beale can can pick themselves up and put in a, a good performance. Yeah, Reese, I think. Yesterday, generally, I think we played well in the first half and had a shocker of a second half, I think is probably how I'd describe describe it. What did you what did you see and what did you not see in that performance yesterday that that you were happy and unhappy about? So I think at first we had we'd started well. We were the better team hundred percent in the first half. Uh, second half we were non existent. Um but I thought to begin with it was a bit of a ping pong game. There was nobody really getting on the ball, settling down with it. It was like 
one touch, just clearing something, somebody then try to force it back into attacking areas. It was a bit, end, not end-to-end, but ping-pong, just totally nobody had control of the ball. And I think the likes of Lundstrom really suited that and started well. Second half, midfield was non-existent. I think Cantwell's a totally different animal when he's booked. His pressing's nowhere near the same, which means that we don't really have that bite in midfield. Lundstrom was far too deep in the second half and Tillman was non-existent. Yeah, I think Teddy Bears kind of sums up why I was potentially... Um, a bit su- not surprised by the reaction because they get the same reaction every time Rangers lose. Um, but Teddy Bear says uh, we knew before yesterday we needed a rebuild. This morning we still know we need, we we need a rebuild. So nothing has changed. Jock, were you a bit surprised by fan reaction? Do you think people are just going over the top? Uh, do you think people are uh, people have a right to vent so they can say whatever they want? Where do you land on that? I think it's. It's a mix of everything. Like you're always going to get the over the top reaction from certain section. You're going to get the sort of level headed reaction, and then you're going to get the absolutely outlandish stuff. That was some of the stuff you seen on Twitter yesterday was ridiculous. Um, some of the stuff I put down here, there was people comparing Graham Sunes and Gordon Jury and and Richard Goff. You know all the sort of old school stars against the this current crop and it's like two different generations you can't compare that you know you can't ask the current crop to, to put, run through the mill like those guys did because they're not they're not not grew, grew up rangers fans not diehard rangers fans like 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 you're asking like any uh fan would run through a brick wall for this team because no we would but you're not going to get that for these these guys you know um and it's just apparently disappointed in some of the stuff you were seeing online, really. But everybody's got their entitled to their opinion, so you just kind of have to sort of take it with something with a bit of pinch of salt, I think. Yeah, Reese, we've seen there's quite a lot of negativity in the comments already uh, tonight. John Moffat saying too many have an arrogance and an ego that's been there for too long. They get manager after manager the sack. Callum C says shambles of a squad. Um, I don't think I agree with either of those. To be honest, nah. I don't think we've got an arrogance. I feel like it's almost the opposite in terms of being a lack of confidence. Um, and I think actually, when you look at it, and we'll come on to this in a bit when we're when we're discussing um, the various re- reaction and fallout to the game. But I think actually, if we've got a striker that can finish, we're probably winning that game. Um, going on first half chances alone, but I, I I can't say that I agree with with those couple of comments there. I definitely. I think if we had a winger at all, it'd be good. I think what was noticeable, and I've said it for the last couple of weeks, Tav never has anybody to pass the ball to down the line anymore. We don't have a, a, a right winger. We had, we've obviously always got Kent on the left for Barisic to play it to and overlap. On the right-hand side, it's as if, whether it's Tillman or Sakala or whoever are there, they're never actually in a right wing position. They're either in at 10 if it's Tillman or in at nine if it's Sakala. And I think that showed yesterday with their goals. Tav get doubled up for that Scales goal. Like 100%. Him and Hayes were at it. Scales a centre-half. How's he right back with Tav? But for me, it is just a lack of confidence in the squad. There's a few of them maybe complacent. They're like some Morelos, but I think he's off. And I, I think that uh, the comments nailed it. We knew we needed a rebuild. 
And for me, it's just about like, I don't know, 2017 when you were getting beat off Aberdeen, you just knew something has to change here and a lot of these folk have got to go. Yeah, it, it does feel like that. I just want to touch on some of Michael Beale's reaction. I was at the game yesterday. Um, I actually felt the Rangers fans were a bit quiet yesterday for, for some reason. They, they weren't in full voice as, as I would have been expecting in a game like that. I don't know if that feeds into the the fact that the league's gone, um, the fact that it was absolutely freezing at the game, the wind was swirling. I don't, I, I don't know if it all just feeds into that or if there was other stuff um, going on, but they, they were much quieter than I would have expected for a game of that of that of that magnitude. Um Jock, what did you make of Michael Beale's reaction um following the game yesterday? It he seemed to focus on a foul in the build up to the second goal for Aberdeen. I I'm sometimes I think we are right to call out referees and sometimes I think we should just let it lie. Like it depends on what where we are and what the situation is. But it felt like yesterday having lost two 0 that complaining about a, a minor decision about up to second goal is is neither here nor there and we don't really benefit from that what was your kind of view of that yeah i think we discussed it yesterday gb point a it wasn't even that phase of play it was like maybe a phase or two afterwards that the you know the, the goal comes from so i think he's kind of clutching at straws there um yeah it was a foul Guy should have got big, but it didn't happen. But I still, still don't think it was going to impact. I think they might have scored in another, another way. Because um, they didn't, they didn't really create anything else, really, bar that other goal. So his reaction, he was talking about how we were, we were slowing up the play, and he, we were taking too many touches, and we need to speed things up. Well, that's that's on him to try and encourage that from the sidelines. And I don't think that really happened. I don't know if the players didn't take it on or if the players sort of went into their shell once that first goal went in and then certainly whenever the second goal went in. And he, he didn't make any changes, really. So he has to take some sort of responsibility here and, and try and manifest something on the pitch. Now, whether that's from shouting at them, giving them new instructions or changing up the, you know, the players in the park. And to me, he didn't do either. Yeah, I think I was surprised in the stadium at the substitution of Raskin for Matondo. Obviously, it's come out afterwards and said that yeah. Raskin had a knee injury beforehand. So I guess that that kind of makes sense. But I think actually, when you look at, you've got the likes of Hadji on the bench. You wonder, you still wonder what he's probably what he's thinking at this at this stage. You've got um, Yilmaz there as well, um, who could potentially offer something a bit different going forward. You had some options there. It wasn't the strongest bench in the world, but you had some options. And Reese, it was just disappointing that the subs that did come in bring Scott Arfield on the 89th minute. I mean, he's good at scoring late goals, but I mean, that's that's kind of taking the biscuit a bit. I think I'm going to go totally against like the vast amount of reaction for yesterday. See, just looking at the bench now, I've got it in front of me, right? Yilmaz has been carrying a knock. I didn't think Raskin should have been taken off yesterday either, but if he's been carrying a knock, fair play, there's nothing you can do about it. Bills obviously get greater knowledge about the squad and fitness levels than we do. Hadji, he's been slow and somebody towing a caravan faking back. Wouldn't have put him on at 1-0 down. Matondo came on, done his cell justice. Kamara, sell him in the summer, along with Hadji, he'll be off. Scott Arfield should have been brought on earlier, 100%. Personally, I took off Tillman at the time when Raskin came off. 
But then you've got Leon King, you're not bringing on a defender. Lovelace, you don't put him on at Pataudry for his debut. The boy's, what, 18, 19, something? Bailey Rice, boy's even younger, no chance. I, I don't see what the big clamour was for subs. The squad is awful. We're ramaged with injuries in it. There's nobody you could have put on. It's as simple as that. It, I it might not have been an ideal change, but if somebody's carrying a knock, then he's going to take him off first. But the other options in the bench were woeful. I think you put Hadji on at some point. I think you put Yilmaz on at some point. I think you put Scott Arfield on earlier. Even if you're, even if you're up against it, you give them a shot. You give them a chance to prove themselves, and you throw them in. They, if they're a part of the squad, if they're Rangers players, they need to go. They, sh- they need to be in at any point. Actually, if you're part of the Rangers squad, you really should be good enough to start a game like that. Never mind come off the bench and again, so again. But this isn't the Bills meeting. Bills had one window, and Bills sees these guys day in, day out. He knows if you're good enough or no, rather than us assuming that because they're in the squad, they're good enough. Bill didn't bring them into the squad. Maybe Hadji did right, fair enough. But Hadji's not the same player that we brought in. And he sees these guys day in, day out. I think if they're good enough, I trust his judgment enough to throw them on. Yeah, Ross comes in and, and agrees with you. says you're right to highlight the bench. It was weak yesterday. Curry Wincher says, Reese were 2-0 down and the guys in the pitch are never doing anything. Why would you not put someone in? I'm probably of that opinion, actually. Uh, if I'm being honest, give them a shot. 2-0 down anyway. What's the worst that can happen? I, I get that, but at the same time, we could be sitting here talking about a 4-0 defeat at Aberdeen yesterday, if that happens. Aye, they were, they were underperforming massively, right? Nobody in that pitch done their cell justice yesterday, apart from Suter. But... I would rather have, could be good, but are underperforming at a very poor level than now, but could be good rather than guaranteed substandard and probably not even going to reach good. But Thank I, you, I don't know. I, we, we won't know unless we see them, the, the opposition to that, and I fully get that. I think it goes back to the, the initial point uh, from Teddy Bears. We knew when he did a rebuild before yesterday's game and we... We definitely know we need a rebuild now. I think um, I wanted to to hark back a little bit, Jock, to something that uh, Michael Beal said earlier in the week, and just see now with the context of that two 0 defeat at Petodre, how it how it kind of kind of sits. Um, he spoke that and basically said that the majority of the team that played against St Mirren will still be there next season. Some of the comments that have come in, RFC eighteen seventy two, so despondent with this current group of players and hope to be pleasantly surprised if we win on Sunday, but won't hold my breath. Sad state of affairs. Darren Alley says uh, we will lack a leadership throughout the squad and weaken both boxes. Recipe for disaster. Callum C. I look at the team sheet every week and not one player gets me excited to even watch. And our very own managing editor, Tommy, says some pragmatism required. I know we want to torch the whole squad, but that just isn't feasible. A lot of these players will be here next season. Quality additions in key areas is what is needed. With the with the benefit of hindsight and the benefit of us having played that game at Petaudry yesterday, what's your view on, on Michael Gill saying that the majority of the team that played against Mirren will be, will be there next season? It's just the cards we've dealt with, the, the current situation, the couple of players. You know, he's, he's obviously highlighted who he wants to bring in for next season. He's obviously hoping that these players come in 
go straight into the first team and then the, a lot of the players that were starting that match will then become squad players is what I think we're all hoping at this stage. So, like you say, key areas, goalkeeper being one, I think we do need to target another right back. We need to give competition for the players that are already there because the players that we have, they can be better and we know that, we've seen them be better, but I think it's the lack of competition that's that's, that's killing us because there's nobody chapping at players' heels for a starting position. Kent's had free reign for that left wing position for two years now because there's been nobody there. Tav, since we got rid of Patterson, that's his, so he, he can cruise along. You know, I know he's a captain, but sometimes you need to drop players just to get kickstart them again, just to give them a wee foot up the backside and get them to a decent level. And we haven't done that. We haven't had that competition in the squad for a long time. It's a starting 11. And then, as we point out, it's a mediocre, weak bench. We've not had, we can't honestly sit and say to ourselves, that's a strong bench, that's the strongest bench we've had for, I'd say, a good year, a year and a half. So we need new blood into this stale team because this team has been going, the crux of this team now, maybe coming up five years, four or five years. So we need to refresh and it does need that. We need players out, we need players in. So it's going to be a massive summer. It really is. And I really hope Bill gets what he wants and gets these guys in early. Because if it doesn't, I felt it'll be hell. It really will. Yeah, Caroline's saying there, uh, my worry is what money will we have for a rebuild? We, I think we've had the full spectrum of comments there. Where do you stand on Michael Beale's comments? I think Tommy's fair in terms of what he spoke about in terms of pragmatism and that you can't just set fire to the whole squad and start from scratch because that's definitely not going to work either. So it's then finding the best players that we have in the squad, keeping them and improving the key areas where we know we need to improve. We're talking goalkeeper, we're talking wingers, we're talking strikers. Where do yeah, you yeah. stand on, on Michael Beale's comment? With regards to the Lopey Rangers players next season, I think folk are reading too much into that and taking it too literally. I don't think... We wanted to drag it out to be like a 40 minute press conference. I don't think it went well. Getting into this window, you know, they'll all be contracted and as a Rangers player, but subject to bids, and it would have just dragged the whole thing out, which is, I think, in reality, what it means. I think he means these players will all be contracted at the start of next season or the start of the next window. Somebody comes in and bids 10 million for somebody. <laughs> Never happening, right? I'm just saying. But then he will let them go. It's subject to change. I don't think it should be this is the starting eleven next year as well, by the way. It's just it been kind of misinterpreted. I think Bill it's the heat of the moment. Do you know what I mean? I, I wouldn't I find it very hard to read any post match comments at times. I think sometimes you're trying to balance up he might be defending the players, trying to take the spotlight off them. Um he might be just totally deflated with it all and no actually want to say what he feels because he's raging about it. Or he might genuinely believe what he said. I, I just wouldn't read too much into post-match press conferences, to be honest with you. I think in the coming weeks and months, it'll tell. But I totally believe in Michael Beale and I think he'll make the right decisions as and where he can over the summer to get us back to where we need to be, or at least further down that line. 
Yeah, I've had some more reaction in the comments. Teddy Bear saying uh, next season we need to build around Yelmaz, Cantwell, Raskin, and hopefully Tillman. Uh, Calum C saying OSC oh, is has fallen further and further behind every time they end up with a treble or league title. RFC seventy two, Cantwell, Raskin, Tillman, and maybe I push Goldson and Tab are the only ones I'd want in the first team. People seem to be settling on probably five or six players. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. In that, in that first team just now that they would be comfortable keeping for next year and I'd probably agree. I think Michael Beal probably agrees with that as well given his, his statement that he thinks he needs was it four or five or five or six. I can't really remember the, the actual figure they said but it was around that that he needs for next season and I think that that is clear that he knows he needs to improve. So I'd spoken about being out and speaking face-to-face with some players. I think it'll be really interesting to see what how that develops and how quickly we get them in when the window opens as well because he also emphasised the importance of them being in early doors. So that'll be really interesting to see as well. Jock, there was an, another outpouring of frustration from fans yesterday. The scattergun was definitely out. What do you make of, of that kind of reaction? Do you Have you got to the stage where you just blank it out because it's just social media? Do you get frustrated by it? Just, or is it just is what it is? I think it is what it is. In this day and age, you know, you know, you go back 10, 15, maybe 20 years, you didn't have the social media presence. So the only way people discussed and berated players was in the pub. And then whenever they came turned up at the game the next week, they, they whistled and they booed them. You know, that's your own team, your own players that you're supposed to be there supporting. But now in social media, it's free reign. You can say whatever you want. You can, you know, you can contact players directly. If you, if you, it's, it's just scandalous. And I think, I think it's just getting so out of control and I think people just need to take a wee step back because I would come off Twitter last night and then thought I'll go on and have a get this morning and see what the reaction is the next morning. It was just as bad. It's depressing. Sitting eating my lunch now. I was like, what am I reading here? Some of this stuff's ridiculous. Like, like who's thinking this is a good idea to tweet this? Put this out there and the folk agreeing and the likes and the retweeting and I was just like, oh, this is just... This is just killing me sitting here reading this. I thought not long ago that my lunch would turn it off again. So uh, you just have, yeah. to just, you just have to accept this. In this day and age, it's, it's part and parcel of supporting a big club like Rangers. Yeah, Reece, I was on the train home from Aberdeen last night after the game, and a lot of, to, much to my surprise, I think a lot of the criticism was was going towards Malik Tillman for his performance yesterday. I saw a lot of people saying, "What does Tillman offer?" Is that Tillman was shocking again? Tillman was walking around the pitch. I actually thought Mark Tillman had a had a good game yesterday. Um, I thought he made a lot of positive contributions. What did you did you understand why people were feeling that way about Mark Tillman yesterday, or did that come as a bit of a surprise to you? I, I totally agree with Jock. See, yesterday, like I just I, I stuck my phone away for a few hours because just gets to the point where you're like, this isn't benefiting me at all here. It's just compounding negativity but um with the Tillman comments some of them are justified some of them are just totally overblown I think Malik Tillman's one of those players that 
he can have a, an outstanding half and be the best player on the pitch. And then for the next 45, you don't really see him. But he's worth keeping on just for those wee glimmers. And I think yesterday kind of summed it up. Because at the time watching it, I was going, hook him. What is he doing? He, he's useless. Hook him. He was who I would have taken off when Raskin was taken off, barring the injury, obviously. But uh, I just think, having watched it back since, he definitely created some of our best chances in that game. He, he plays through Sakala. It's not his fault that we don't have a, a deadly finisher at the minute with Cholak's injury. Um, he, he created a few things. There was just like times where he looked like he was about to lose the ball, but he'd play this curling pass that would get us through onto a counter-attack again. And He has that ability in the squad that nobody else has that he can just unlock at any point. He's a bit mercurial in that aspect. But at other times, you're, just, you're left wanting a lot with him. And he looks uninterested. For me, at times, he looks like somebody who plays, and I think I said this yesterday, he looks like somebody who plays football because he's good at it, not because he wants to. But then he's just that good at it that you should keep him on. I don't know. Yeah, I think that the reaction to comments is interesting. Uh, RFC seventy two saying Tillman set up numerous chances. He can't help with our front three. Can't finish. Thomas H uh, saying Tillman is just one of those players people don't like. We've seen his level, but he's twenty, so he's not going to be be able to play at the level all the time. Um, Curry Muncher saying uh, good going a bit far. Craig he did decent, but. Did not deserve being pointed out. Finger needs pointed at players like Borna Barisic, Fashion, Tav, Wernstrom, Morelos, Davies. Um, Jock, I think Curry Muncher makes a good point there. Um, or was it, sorry, it was uh, Thomas H. makes a good point around the fact that Malik Tillman is only 20 and he, he seems to be the centre of Rangers' hopes um, in every game they go into for fans. Do you think that's an unfair pressure to be putting on him, especially a, a guy who, before this season, had played, I think it was less than five full games of first-team football? It's the pressures are played for Rangers, isn't it? You know, especially when they know you've got the talent and you know they've got the ability. Everyone is going to heap everything onto you because there's nobody on there else on the pitch that seems to be able to do anything. Um, like I say, the guy's 20 years old. A lot of people seem to forget that. Um, some of the some of the stuff that you see online about them, um, but they're happy enough for other youngsters in our team to get thrown in. They want Lovelace, they want Lowry, they want Divine. He's, you know, he's around the same age or younger than some of them. He's got, you know, his stats are ridiculous considering it's his first season in Scottish football. He has, you know, he does he does what he can, and again, like your guy says, he set up three chances yesterday. Oh, his fault they didn't score. You know, he's, he's, he, I think there's a lot of times he takes the attacking onus and creating onus on himself because he, he has that ability. He has that. He has something different that nobody else in that squad seems to have. Maybe Cantwell can when he on the odd occasion has those glimpses. Um, it's something that we kind of thought Hadji would have had. Um, you know, attacking wise, you know, he can unlock a pass. He can find something like Reece says. He can put, slip through balls in that that would maybe sometimes nobody else can do. He's the only person in the team that seems to be able to do that and we seem behind him. The support does anyway. It's not support he needs. Yeah, as uh, some interesting points coming in as well. RFC 1872 saying Tillman needs to get in the box at set pieces. 
no idea why he's there beside the taker at corners. He's probably one of our best threats in the air at set plays. He does always do that, and um, me, Kyle, and some of the guys who sit beside laugh all the time because he's always sprinting out to take the corner and the rest of the team are just nowhere to be seen. And I guess that's just a, a sign of the level that he's come from compared to the level that, that he's potentially playing at um, with us in terms of Tillman just wants to get the ball and start start moving it. And the rest of the team are quite comfortable just moseying over to take a corner or, or whatever it is. But I do agree that he is one of the best head headers of the ball that we have. He's also got the height um, and we do need to be more threatening from set pieces as well. Just picking up on the point around the, the chances that Malik Tillman created, I've got uh, four written down here. So uh, Tillman put Fasha Zakawa through for the one-on-one um, that he missed. I still don't know how Fasha Zakawa managed to side-foot it straight at the goalkeeper from eight yards out, but there we go. Fasha Zakawa blasted over instead of um, playing Morelos in, uh, following a, a Tillman back heel through. Uh, Tillman laid it off to Borna Barisic when he hit the post and um, Tillman put Matondo through when he, I actually thought he hit it miles wide, but apparently Matondo hit the post as well um, with that one. I think that's where the contributions are coming from Alec Tillman, Reese. I think I think it's it's clear to see, but he also is there for people to forget when chance after chance is missed. See, I think, do you know what will surprise people? I was just having a look at FB ref there on the stats of yesterday's game. I was actually trying to find the XG, but pointless anyway. Who would you say was our best defensive player yesterday? Across the pitch. Um, going by the discussion we're having, I'm going to take a punt at Malik Tillman. Tillman won five tackles yesterday. Five tackles won yesterday. The highest other one in the team was Lundstrom with three. Lundstrom had three interceptions in the game, Tillman had two. As much as I've sat and said he looks disinterested and all that, the stats are probably telling you otherwise, in reality, otherwise, for all we'll praise his creativity, he does kind of chip in going back. But I just bringing it back to Tillman. Morelos, three shots, one in target. Sakala, three shots, one in target. That, that He can't help that. That's... He's obviously playing the balls through them that we've highlighted. He's making up for it and when we're losing the ball and he can't help that they're putting the ball into Rosehead most of the time or just scuffing it. Yeah. Reese, there's uh, there were a few people having a few guesses at your at your at the answer to your question and actually all three of them said that John Sutter was our best defender yesterday. Um Jock, I think that's I think that's a good sign because I do think John Suter is a is a really good player that will be really positive for us going forward. Um, what do you make of of John Suter's role? And actually, given how Ben Davies has played the last three games or so, and given the even yesterday he made a few a few mistakes again, is is it is it going to be John Suter beside Connor Goldson rather than Ben Davies? Well, Sutter's definitely doing everything he can to make it that. That's for sure. Because um, I know, you know, Sutter came in at the start of the season and uh, I think it was Ibrox against Livingston and they uh, didn't have a good game. And that was, there was folk on him straight away and then and for a couple of weeks after that until he, he got the injury. Um, but he's come in, he's looked pretty solid. Um, and like you say, he's trying to play his way into that because he'd be wanting to play that semi final 100% he will. And um, if it's him and Goldson that are the two, 
I wouldn't be too too disappointed to be honest. Yeah, I think it'll be I think it'll be real interesting to see, especially this weekend and in such a big game for us who who plays. I would be verging on John Suter if I'm being honest at this stage. Although I'm a big fan of Ben Davies and I think I think longer term he will be the, the starting partner for Connor Golds and I just think he's going through a bit of a bit of a nervy patch, it's probably fair to say, and he potentially taking him out of such a big game will do more harm than good. But I think John Suter is is almost deserved and played his way into that starting lineup on on Sunday. So I think it'll be really interesting on that one. I'm gonna I'm gonna kinda of throw you both under the bus a little bit here, but I'm gonna have some comments first of all. Teddy Bears saying uh, I have faith that Tillman will make us a fortune if we get him and his potential is outstanding. He's young so his form is inconsistent but that will improve. Caroline saying I'm unsure about Tillman. I can't make up my mind. It's a lot of money. Alexander saying once again Tillman can't do it in a big game. Tunnock's Tillman gets a hard time because of the price tag around his neck. Too many fans wanting a guy in his first senior season to carry the entire team. Um, Curry Muncher saying if you're under the illusion that this squad is good enough, uh, it needs a refresh using the confidence it's because you're kidding yourself. And then Teddy Bears uh, with Tillman, they will be buying potential and he'll potentially make us millions. I'd definitely pay five million for him, no question. So, restarting with you. Five million pounds from Alec Tillman available from June the 30th or June or July the 1st. Are you paying it? I'd probably be waiting right up until that deadline to make my decision. But again, I'm going to have splinters in my bum here because I'm sitting right in the fence. I don't know. I think you need to, you need to know the opportunity cost. So just to get rid of that jargon there. Um, it's a bit like going to the airport and you need to pay £3 for a bottle of coke. Like There's no other option there for value. But if you can go next door and get a meal deal for £3, you're getting three things for the same price, you're taking that. But we don't know what the other options are and what the set prices are. We don't know what other players Michael Beal and probably Ross Wilson beforehand have been speaking to and the recruitment guys are eyeing up. And I think we've seen it across the city with their recruitment and it's often compared to ours. I, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know, um, depending where we can get value elsewhere. But some of the fees that you see bandied around. Based, based on his performances this year, Reese, would you, is there a player you'd want to see at Rangers next season? He is. Aye, he is. He's the kind of player I would want to see. Value-wise, I don't know that he's five million. I'd maybe try and hassle Bayern Munich down a bit on that. But again, he, he does have that potential. Some games you look at him and go, "Oh, I he'll treble his value." Other games you look at him and go, "Do you even want to be here?" But aye, I'd buy him. I'm getting off the fence. Aye, go for it. Yeah, RFC seventy two says the only way I wouldn't buy Tillman is if there isn't a big budget because there's a lot bigger. Concerns needing addressed, and the five million should be going on other areas. I think I think the budget question is a fair one, and I think that would impact whether I I would say that I would buy him or not. If if we have ten million pound budget and, and we need and they're saying we'll spend five million pound of that on one player and Malik Tillman, I don't think that's the area that we need to spend that money. On the other hand, they already said that money was ring fenced for this year, didn't they? Um, and in theory, they said that James Sands' money was also ring-fenced, so that should free up more money than they were potentially 
thinking about at that point. Um, Thomas H says if we can get a better quality of striker, players like Cantwell and Tillman will look much better. Tom Warren's made our team look so much better just himself. Ross says he's 20, he's, he's got 14 goal contributions in 28 games in this first season of, of first team football. He's definitely worth £5 million. Teddy Bears, name one player in Europe who has the potential of Tillman we could get for four or £5 million. With a bit more context on that, Jock, with those sort of added comments, are you paying the £5 million for Malik Tillman? Yeah, yeah, I think I am. Like I say, we talked about it being ring-fenced already. I think I was mentioned before January, so um, I'm paying it. Because if you look at the, there's the same sort of money paid for Hadji, roughly around the same sort of, and that was the same sort of fee. Hadji was £3 million, I think. Maybe £3 million. Yeah. You can definitely see there's a better player in Tillman than there is in Hadji, I think, personally. So, and like your, your chap said there, around Europe for £5 million, you're getting a talent that value is only going to rise if he keeps putting in the stats that, that, that Ross has put in there. Those numbers are good numbers. They're just they're maybe just not consistent across the season. He definitely improved under Beal, there's no doubt about it. Um, but we're playing a different, more attacking style of football under Beal, and that's only going to suit him, and, and he's going to thrive in that. And if we get better finishers up front, his stats will increase even more so because there's three, four chances he's created, not one of them scored. If you get a better better striker, better winger, his stats, stats, those stats will be, you know, out of four chances, you could have three assists. So for me, yes, I think it could be a big part of this club going forward for the next two years and it could be a sound investment, as is Yelmaz, provided he gets into the team and he starts showing that he's worth the money. Because you know, Besiktas obviously had high hopes for him. We obviously had high hopes for him when we signed him. Injuries aside, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping the money's ring fence because that, and like you say, the James Sands money's now sitting there for somebody else. So, um, it'd be interesting to see who these targets are that we're going to pay money for, and who are the targets that we're going to get uh, on pre contracts. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's fair. I think. Um, I think I would... <laughs> what was that? Reese isn't too sure. Uh, I, I just had a, a weird thought there about the James Sands money. Going, I wonder if we just totally played New York for them. Like, do you know what? We only wanted them on loan, and we're like, do you know what? See if we want to buy them, we'll give you four million for them. Knowing fine well it was never going to happen. Or like, any transfer I think in that. To be honest, I think somebody's been steaming when they've offered that, or they've just went. We just need them on loan. We'll just tell them we'll give them five million. Why not? RFC seventy two. There's other clubs already looking at Tillman also, so they might not even want to stay here. Bruno's John. I don't know if we can pay five million pounds for a player who can't do it against rivals. I think you make a fair point, Jock, about um Yilmaz. It was quite it was a significant outlay on him and we can't forget that. He's played three games for us this season, if yeah. that. Um, two and a half maybe with with an injury um, Aaron Hunter saying the question is not whether we will pay it the question is whether he will want to come where's the Scottish Cup semi then I, I cannot see it I think it's interesting the, the various different ways that we can that can be approached on this one and until Malik Tillman who is the most nonchalant guy in the world when it comes to interviews until he gives more of an indication um, around what 
what he's wanting and what he's thinking is it's all guesswork, I guess. But I think I would pay the money. Jock says he would pay the money. Reese is kind of on the fence, but would like to see him at Rangers next season. So I think generally across the board here, we're pretty much saying we'd pay the money and and take our chances on that one. I think this is an interesting point from Curry Munch, and it kind of feeds into the the almost the final point that I want to to talk about in the podcast. Reese Curry Muncher says, Craig, without sales of any outgoing players, what is the minimum we need for new players? Not what you think the board will give. Reese, coming to you on this one, Jock mentioned that, the, and I think it's it's fair to say there will be a balance between players who we spend money on versus players who we sign on free transfers, Bosmans, um, the, the, the couple whose contracts have just run out at their clubs. Do you have a view on on a minimum amount that we need to spend? Is it difficult to work that out because actually you can get a real high quality player for free, and therefore it's difficult to know how much to put to put a financial figure on it? Where do you stand on that? Yeah, I, I think it is quite difficult to go. I'd, if I was to guess, I would I would at least range it as a minimum five or a minimum eight million without sales. Because um, I, I, to be honest with you, I don't think there's much value to be had in the squad, or I don't think there's much external value. As in, like Kamara could be a eight million pound player, but then now nobody's paying that for him. Nobody's daft enough. But I think if we never sold anybody, we'd still at least have to spend uh, eight million to be where we need to be. I'm. I've. I think you've lowballed that a bit. If I'm being honest, I don't probably, know. Probably have. I think you have lowballed that. I was. I was surprised when you said, when you went up in the double digits at least. Jock, I was more thinking, probably talking twelve to fifteen million. Um, of a budget that we'd need to spend plus some good quality, Bosmans or free transfers, on that one. Where do you? Where do you stand on that one? Yeah, I think. I think the twelve to fifteen. So ballpark sounds right because you're talking, you know, maybe four million each if you're looking for a good quality. Aye. Um, Aye. out of that, because I see you're not going to get. I think we discussed this was it yesterday. I think you're not going to get a, a a good quality quality player for a million pounds these days. What you would have got maybe ten ten years ago. I think what ideally we're looking for is what Brighton are doing or buying guys at three million. And then knocking back bids at eighty million from the likes of Arsenal and that—that's the sort of that's the model we need to get on board with and get in quickly. You know, guys that are going to go for that kind of price, really, really cheap, but are quality and are going to give us going to give us performances and 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 goals and assists um, and help us keep clean sheets. It's just a matter of finding it. Where do we where do we look? Because where we're looking, was it not, Brighton? You said they'll jock. Aye, Brighton, aye. But then you've got to take into consideration, right? Brighton have obviously got exponential Premier League money, plus they've got a feeder team out in Belgium that they'll loan them out to in order to give them that development time without the pressure in a league that's probably at the same standard as us. We don't have that. As soon as we get players in, they've got to hit the ground running. And I get that I, that is the ideal model you want, 100%, but it, I don't think our fans are patient enough for that, to be honest. No, you're absolutely right. Of course, they're not. That and that's that's the, the beauty of coming to this club. As soon as you pay a you know a set fee, and that you know at the moment it's 
five million pound, which is hanging around Tillman's head. Look at the day we were back the time we spent twelve million on flow. You know what I mean? This this is this is where we're at. We're now down to five million pound being a lot of money, and for us that is a lot of money. And they say we paid you know, even the Kent's price tag of seven million pound. That's a lot of money for us. It's a lot of money for Scottish football. Um, you know, going to the days where you're going to get a good quality player come in for five, six, seven hundred k, it'll do you a turn. It just doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting to see the valuations of players, but also people's expectations of how much a player should be able to give you for a certain amount of money. I think five million pounds, taking Mal Tillman's fee, for example. I think what you get for a five million pound player now is very different to what you get for a five million pound player even five, ten years ago, never mind fifteen, twenty years ago. And I think people's expectations versus transfer value need to need to be adjusted. But I I fully get that that's hard, especially when um so many people play games like Football Manager and FIFA and stuff like that where they're paying certain fees for certain players. Um, Teddy Bear's saying, Bill said he's getting a better transfer kitty than most other Rangers managers, so I'm expecting him to get about 15 million. Over a hill saying, I'd say 20, we won't, of course. Sorry, Reese, on you go. Has he said that? Just inter- like, uh, that's interesting. He did, he, did, he did say three, four weeks ago that he was he was happy with yeah. his transfer um, budget and he was expecting to get more. Or he did, they'd, they'd, had, they'd had discussions about getting more than than previous. How much that how much of that comes true? I, I have started to find Michael Beale contradicts himself a lot in his <laughs> week to week. So it's hard to tell what's true and what is what he's just saying for. For, for the cameras or saying for the fans. So I think that will be interesting to see. Um, Ross saying, really can't see us having a net spend of 12 to 15 million pounds. We'd have to sell players to spend that level of money. I feel expect us to sell players. I don't think we'll go through this summer keeping the same squad and adding players to it. I don't think there's any chance of that happening. I think some of the players mentioned here by Bell's Brigade actually, to be fair, fit, fit that bill. Um, not sure how much I agree with the the value or, that he's put on it, but he says can't see us getting more than three million pounds in total for Kamara, Hadji, Bonner, and Lundstrom. They're all on massive wages, so no club is going to spend big on them. I'd disagree on that one. I think you get a couple of million for Kamara, you get two to three million for Hadji, Bonner. You maybe get one to two million, and Lundstrom may get a championship club that pays one to two million. So actually, when you put those that together, that adds up to a. a a decent chunk of chunk of money, and I don't think we'd miss any of those players. And based on this season's form, where they go, so Barisic actually, I think we'd miss Barisic quite a lot. Plus, to just to add to that, Craig as well, when you're saying we could get a few Bob Ross McCrory to Bristol City for two million, we could make quite a bit of money. Barisic is yeah. international, still so he's going to I, say, have... I just wish he would show it for us. <laughs> but I think for me, I, I think it's well documented in previous podcasts. I think Borna Barisic's time at Rangers is up. I think it's just reaching the end of that natural cycle. He's one of many players that are in that boat, but I think I think his time is up and it's time to... I hope it's Yilmaz that gets the chance and takes it, but even if it's not Yilmaz, it's time for, for another player to come in and... and give us something a bit more down that left-hand side. But I think we need more defence. I think what we've seen this season is we need more defensively from our fullbacks. 
that we it's not the season's gone past when we're we're scoring a lot more than um than the opposition. We're at, games are a lot tighter, we're conceding a lot more goals and we do need more defensively from our fullbacks if we are going to if we are going to succeed. Um Curry Muncher just giving a bit of context to to the values. You're talking six million pounds for a good goalkeeper. I do think there's a more of a chance of picking up a good goalkeeper on a Bosman or on a free transfer, just just with the with the um, view of how how goalkeepers are. I saw Jack Butland's name mentioned as as a potential free transfer that's out there. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what I think of him. Really, he was on a really good trajectory tra- trajectory for a bit, but I don't know if he's if he's quite um, still in that level, or if he stalled a little bit, but and then another six for two strikers. So you're talking three million pound each for a striker. It's twelve million pound right away, and that shows you how quickly those figures can add up. Um, so let's just talk about that one a little bit then, Reese. In terms of the the two strikers, I think I think it's fairly fairly common agreement amongst Rangers fans that we need at least two strikers, if not three, next season. I'm assuming that. Cholak will be there as as one of the one of the three. So then you're looking at two to go to go around him. Yeah. What what type of striker do you think we need? Um, Cholak, I guess, is is a, a kind of in the box penalty penalty box kind of striker. He, he, some games he can be great. Some games he's he's, got, he's shown that he's got the ability for that one touch finish or that one sight of goal finish. What type of strikers do we need to to complement that? Now, Gav always mentions Kostovic, a Bosnian guy. I know nothing about him. Don't know anything about him, but I know Gav reads about him. But uh, I love a last man striker. See, like a, a player that will play on the shoulder. See, like a Jamie Vardy kind of striker. That's the kind of player I like. But I would don't think it would suit us. They are play at Rangers. I think... We need somebody who's a bit diminutive, probably a bit smaller than Cholak. Maybe a Vardy type would work. I just don't think we're going to get much space running in behind a lot of the time. So maybe somebody who can just drop back quickly for cutbacks sort of thing. But I honestly don't know what type we need. We just need one that scores quite a lot of goals. Jock, I think uh, Reese's final statement there is hits the nail on the head of what every club wants from a from a striker, uh, one that scores a lot of goals. In terms of the profile of striker, I guess what I was getting at is that you see the likes of Cholak who can put himself about in the box. His link up plays okay. I don't think he's a main striker for Rangers, but as a as a backup, I think he's I think he's 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 good enough to be part of that. I think. You then get the option of do, do you try and get a, a Chris Boyd striker type striker who just scores as many goals as possible among uh, against the rest of the league and 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 take it from there. But at the same time, is that enough for us? Is that enough for us in a Michael Beale team? Or do you try and find a balance between the two? Do you try and find a striker that that is that's, that has the ability to run in behind or take on a player, but also knows is has that has that nose for for where to be in the penalty box can we get those types of strikers in our budget where do you where do you sort of land on that you're looking for the basically the perfect striker then aren't they the ideal striker always always somebody that can as reese says plays on the shoulder for those balls that are going to go over the top that are going to 
come in from the side, you know, beat the beat the defender for pace, but you also ideally need somebody who's going to drop to link up the play with the two tens pushing forward, and then the wingers. So you, where do you find that? You know, it's it's so hard to find them without being in the know with up and coming talent and around Europe. Like we say, is that guy Kristovic. I had to quite look at him. Looks a decent. Does look like somebody who thinks he can find the net. Looks he can put it about as well. Pretty solid. Um, but he's now scoring at international level, so his price tags clean out of our price range now. I'd imagine. I don't. I don't see it happening. Um, all you want is somebody that, like you say, can be in the right place at the right time. We put plenty of balls across the face of that goal, and there's nobody there. The amount of times the ball's played at the back post, now you're just looking for somebody just to tap it in. Years gone by, as Chris Boyd, Kenny Miller, you know, we don't, we haven't had that in a while now, and it's something we've been missing because, you know, Morales's play style's totally different to, I think, what Beal's looking for. So, like Reece says, we need to find somebody that can fit Beal's, you know, style, style of play. And I have no idea where we're getting it from. Yeah, there's a few interesting comments uh, coming in. Aaron Hunter saying we need somebody who's agile and set quietly who can finish. Morelos and Cholak are so slow, just not effective when countering on the break against that lot. Uh, David Hutchison says Craig just won't need a decent striker. I think Bueno's John kind of touched on a point as well in that we forget that Tamar Roof is on the wage bill. Uh, we, we, we forget that he's there and actually... When you look at Kamar Roof's stats, he's exactly the type of striker that we need. But he's we can't we just can't trust him to be to be available for even a run of games, never mind a full season. I just don't think we can trust him to be to be that. But at the same time, as Boy knows John puts it, can you can you get Kamar Roof off the wage bill? Can you is there gonna be a that chance? I don't see any other club really coming in for him given how few how few games he's played this season and the last couple of seasons. I don't he's got one year left of his contract. He'll be on a high wage. Is Kamar Roof potentially? And I say this quietly, but is Kamar Roof potentially as one of a one of us one of the solutions to those two strikers? No. <laughs> no. Football's best ability is availability for me. I think if it's all Auntie Ball's uncle material. Like if he was fat, he'd be amazing, but he's not. So he's not gonna be amazing. I think would someday when Turkey maybe take him? it's just somewhere like that. You can see I'm going to like Galatasaray, maybe get a wee hair transplant and he's over there. And Electra in a bad way, they might take him back. But no, it's definitely not Rangers. If he's not gone in this window, serious questions have got to be asked. Yeah, Jock, do you do you agree with that? Bell's Brigade says never getting roof off the wage bill. He's the highest paid player in Scotland, meant to be on forty five k plus. I've no idea. This is no, surely not. not. There's no chance he's on forty five k plus. I like roof. I do. I think when fat roof's a great. He's a, he's one of our best technical strikers. He's intelligent. He makes do some of the goals he was scoring in that fifty five season. I'm harm back about that, but that was his best season. So that's what we go on. He's intelligent and he gets in the good positions and he's there. He, he, he can score in different types of goals, where it's outside the box, inside the box. He's one of our best all round, I think, strikers. But he's just, just he, he just can't stay fit. And that's like like we say, is that 
I don't think he'll be here next season, and we do hope that we try and get some sort of return on him because we paid a, a bit of money for him. But who's going to take him away his, his recent injury you know, record? It's, it's a hard sell, and we don't have a, somebody to try and sell him because they're dreaded their footballs away. So who's going to who's going to take him? Like Turkey, Turkey's a good shout because it's a league that's got money. A team like Galatasaray, plenty of money to throw about. So we need to put a good word in. <laughs> maybe maybe Hadji can put one in when he's. <laughs> um, I uh, <laughs> I don't think obviously I think I think I like to be optimistic on things and I would I think Kamar Roof is effectively your fourth choice striker now. He's on the wage bill. If he's if he's fit, you give him a you give him a shout. But if he's not there, you've still got three others that are there that can more than more than do the job. There's a few rumours been flying about obviously around strikers and that in recent weeks. If some of them have the comments. Uh, I'll just come to you each one by one and strategically come to Reese on a specific one of them. Um, Jock, what do you make of uh, the the Lyndon Dykes rumour? Is he of a quality? Is he of a, of a quality that, that we need? Would he be a, a good second striker? Is it is that a lazy link because he played for QPR and Michael Beale said he's going to buy players he knows? Ah, it's a lazy. It's a lazy daily record link, isn't it? Oh, he played for them, so it's an obvious, it's an obvious, you know, one to go to. But you know, he's he's proven in the league again, so he has scored goals. You know, again for Livingston. So he don't get me wrong. I think he'd score goals, but he's not. He's not a Rangers number nine. Not a hope in hell. Well, and saying that, if he did get, if he did quit the Rangers, you guarantee he wouldn't start for Scotland anymore. So he'd be more available to play games. They'd be fitter than Ruth. Reese, what's your thoughts on on the Dykes rumor? It's a no go for me. He, he scored goals up here, but he didn't score a lot of goals up here. He scored against Celtic a few times and it got his name in headlights, but he didn't score a lot of goals up here. He's not scored a lot of goals down there. Nah, not for me. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. Um Bono's John coming back in. We need a striker who can also score goals with his head. Um over a hill we're stuck with Roof. Not many clubs as daft as Rangers. Teddy Bears, Dykes will score ten to fifteen a season. We need a poacher, so it's no it's a no for me. I actually think he probably fits into the the style of being a poacher, if I'm being honest. He's the kind of player that you see, you see him when he scores for Scotland. He's generally scoring headers from inside the six-yard box if he's if he's anywhere and he's getting on the end of crosses. So actually, yeah, bit of a contradictory statement there. And if he's a, if that's the type of striker we need, then actually London Dykes probably answers that. Craig Ray Dykes would be a decent option as backup for a nominal fee. He's nowhere near as good as Cholak. Aaron Hunter Dykes an absolute no-no, laughable. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Probably the rest of that comment. Uh, RFC 72. <laughs> Thank you, that's how to say stick his gran up top. Um, rather than anything else, but we'll leave the rest of that comment there. RFC 72. Willock, Chair and Weird, the only players at KPR we should go for. Callum C, we need a 30 goal striker. Uh, Kyogo's tearing it up. Uh, Reese, this one, Taylor made for you. Warren Shankland, yes or no? Nah, no for me. Uh, nah, I I could I could Flying at hearts, doing absolutely great hearts. I like seeing him doing well at hearts. Um 
I don't think I could sit in the stand and honestly shout abuse at him or criticise him or give a fair opinion on him. I just wouldn't want to be in the situation um, where you're sitting going, no, 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 he's good when he could be having a shock on him. I don't know. No, I wouldn't want to be in the situation. Plus, I don't think it will happen. I think Hearts have got too much going on. There's someone to be losing their captain, their probably record goal scorer on the season. I think he equaled Robo's record, so I don't know if he's probably going to beat it. So, nah, Hearts won't let him go. Especially not for that reasonable fee to one of their biggest rivals. Yeah, Robbie RFC 1872. We have to prioritise Franklin, in my opinion. Proven it this season, he's been the best striker in the league, excluding Kyogo. Um, Thomas H just back to London Dykes. Dykes are good at setting up others, they would need goal scorers around them. Teddy Bears, we need a default type. Dykes is a 10, we need a couple of, of nines. Jock, last one on this one. Um, second, let's make it the second last one. Uh, Robert Bunny says Motherwell striker looks like he could do a job. Obviously, Kevin Van Veen has been on a, a rich vein of form. Recently scored a decent goal at the weekend at Celtic Park. I've he's he's a bit. I would consider Shankland and I would consider Kevin Nisbet. I think is the two from from yeah. the league at the moment that that I would seriously consider as options. Kevin Van Veen, need despite being in a in a good vein of goal scoring form, I don't think I don't think I would be be keen to see him come in the door. No, it's, it's a, traditionally we've always went and pinched somebody that's scoring goals for another team in Scotland. That's what, what we've always done. Um, it's, it's that guy is going to get you that 10, 15 goals. They'll just sort of contribute in games where we maybe need an hour goal and he comes on and sort of settles a tie. Um, I'd say Shanklin and Nisbet would be the two I would entertain for that coming from our league. The Van Veen guy, no hope. No, no chance. Um, Nisbet, I think, Probably the better all-round striker over Shanklin, but say Shanklin, you can't argue with the guy's stats. You know, he he knows the back of the net is, and it's it's something that we miss at this moment in time. And if Shanklin's the answer, I'm all for it. Or is, but but you say the Hearts will be looking silly money. Where I think I don't think Nisbet's got a year left in his contract, so you probably find you get a better chance of getting Nisbet, although Hibs will probably still want silly money for him, because they always do when it comes to dealing with Rangers. Yeah, Bell's Brigade says not one of our strikers, apart from Roof, score the goal Van Veen got on Saturday. Uh, Finn Fogel says Van Veen is 32 and having an Indian summer. Van Veen is, isn't anywhere near good enough for Kyle my main Rangers. Uh, it's probably a bit harsh, but I think uh, I think the age thing coming into it as well is, is just part of it. I think it's going to be it's going to be really interesting how it how this plays out in the summer. And I won't I won't necessarily think that it will also, it will always be players that we know that come in either. I think that's how many of us had heard of. I suppose Antonio Cholak is probably the wrong example because he scored two for Malmo against us. But really, were any of us aware of how good a striker he was or, or where he was playing when he went to Pauk? Um, probably not. And, it, and um, I think sometimes, sometimes we we try and second guess these things. It's always fun, especially for us as a as a podcast to discuss transfer links and transfer rumours. But Michael Beals already said we're well down the line with a with a lot of those and um, a lot of a lot of our opportunities or options for the summer. So I think it'll be it'll be interesting to watch that one. Right, I think we'll tie it up there. We could go on talking for hours about potential transfer incomings, especially if we're buying five or six in the summer. 
be plenty of talk of that in the coming days and weeks, I'd imagine. But we've got a big game this week to focus on. Uh, before then, Jock, thank you very much for joining us. Much appreciated. Well, thank you for having me again, guys. Appreciate it. And Reese, thanks very much for joining us. Cheers, mate. Pleasure. Bit more positive now that I've heard that Bill's got a bigger budget, by the way. That's been <laughs> my day, that. Yeah, a brave yeah. man taking him at his word. Um, thanks very much, everyone, for listening. Please remember to subscribe to the TII YouTube channel, like the video if you've enjoyed the content, turn on those notifications if you want to know every single time we go live or every single time we upload a podcast. In terms of what's coming up the rest of the week, Kyle and the team will be back on Wednesday night uh, with the, the warm-up as we start to go ahead to the weekend's game. I'll be back on Friday, I believe. It might be Saturday morning. It's uploaded with a, an old firm cup semi-final preview podcast and then we'll be back with post-match reaction on sunday night following the uh, scottish cup semi-final thanks very much everyone for listening and until next time goodbye sports social podcast network